Hi, this is Kelly. And Lavinia. We're here with Faith Adieli in our first bonus episode of There She Goes Again. Um, We know we said we wouldn't be doing interviews, but we've heard the requests for follow-ups with our storytellers. So on occasion, we'll be offering these short bonus episodes in which one of our guests answers three questions. So welcome, Faith. Thank you. I'm so excited to be a bonus. (laughs) And since we're here today connecting from different places, we thought it might be good to ground us all with the reminder of where we're checking in from. So I can start. I'm in my recently converted guest bedroom. It's now my cozy office uh, here in northern Alabama. I am in the only quiet room in my house in New Orleans, which is um, my closet. (laughs) (laughs) I am in my study, which has got bright yellow walls that people are really happy about in uh, Oakland, which is uh, the birthplace of uh, the Black Panthers and unceded Ohlone territory. Uh, Wonderful. So our first question for Faith actually comes with a spoiler alert. So if anyone listening to this has not heard Faith's episode, which is number five, go and listen to that first and then come back. Right. So, okay, on to our questions. Um, So number one, Faith, we love where you ended your story passing through bandit territory because it's just, I don't know, it's one of those moments that really define the experience of traveling solo as a woman. That moment when we're feeling vulnerable and we have no choice but to rely on our own experience and intuition. Um, Can you tell us what happened when you got off the train? The whole thing? (laughs) Well, just, you know, tell us what... As much as you'd like. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. Um, Yeah, well, thanks for uh, noticing that. There are kind of two possible cliffhangers, and and I really do like that that one. So I, you know, I get off the train uh, in a town that I don't know anything about in the middle of the night. Um, Nobody else gets off the train. The conductor's clearly worried for me, (laughs) and there's a guy who's driving, drives Mm. a trishaw, and um, who's sleeping. And uh, so I just hop in it and I say, you know, take me to the Chinese hotel because I figured out that it's not um, a town on the tourist track. So they're not going to have regular hotels, but it does seem to be a fairly bustling town. So I assume that there are going to be merchant traders moving through. And so they would probably stay at a hotel. Chances are it would be run by ethnic Chinese. And so I'm just winging it. And it turns out there is a hotel, um, but, um, and he actually takes me there, <laughs> but I'm also a little worried that he might be an informant. Um, I go inside and, um, that's where I kind of have a little moment where I allow myself to kind of relax. Like while I'm showering, I have like this little cry kind of under the camouflage of, of the, of the shower. Um, and just kind of acknowledge the fact that it is tiring to try to be negotiating safety and negotiating different cultures and a different language. And um, I don't ever want to seem vulnerable on the road, but, you know, I have this little space where I feel vulnerable. Um, And then the rest of the, of the story is just a kind of this thing being repeated again, where the original businessman shows up, he wants to help me, he doesn't show up. And so I end up accomplishing my goal entirely on my own through a series of kind of um, mistakes. I end up commandeering a couple's car 
thinking that they're a taxi and they drive me all the way out to where I want to be. And then I finally realize that they're just people on there you know, who've just gone to market to go shopping and, and they think I'm Malay, which is kind of the ongoing joke. Um, and then I have this wonderful, you know, time at the Nun Center, which was my original destination. When I get back, the businessman is waiting in my hotel for me. And he's like, I messed up again. I keep on trying to help you. And you never needed me. You like did it all. You came to this town. You didn't know anything. You you did what you came to do. Um, and you never needed me. And it was just really kind of a beautiful affirmation uh, for me. That's fascinating. Like my mouth is still open thinking about so the people that you commandeered their car, were they in the car? <laughs> yeah. So I'd, I'd gone to the marketplace and, and <laughs> people go with their trucks and they usually have seats in the back and they're shouting out different areas that they drive, different routes. And so I, you know, go up to this young woman and I'm like, do you go here? And so uh, she's like, uh, I don't know. And then <laughs> the man gets back in the car and she's like, do we go here? And he's like, uh, and so they're like, <laughs> so they're like, well, get in. And. And so I go to the back and they're like, no, 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 get in the front. And I'm like, why would I squeeze in the front with them? You know, when there are all these people in the back. And so we start driving and they're super shy. They're not talking to me. And then I look around and there's like nobody in the back. And then I realize it's like a brother and sister who've gone to market. <laughs> and I'm like, oh my God, I'm so sorry. You know, you can let me out. And they're like, no, no, no. <laughs> and so it becomes this whole thing because this is how ties are too. If you ask for help, they will, ah. you know, die trying. <laughs> and so he keeps on stopping at all these villages and showing people the paper and saying, have you heard of a nun center? And everyone's like, what? A nun <gasps> center? So it becomes this whole thing where like everybody's into it. And then their mom is like, where are you people? <laughs> <laughs> and so they're, they're very apologetic that they have to leave me at the nun center. Once we get there that they can't wait and take me home. They're like, you know, our mom is like flipping out. Um, and that's, and then that's finally when they ask me, who are you? Um, and they didn't realize that I was this foreigner, that I was this American. And then they're like, you could just see their faces transform. Like, oh my God, we had her. Aww. We could have been having this conversation in the car, <laughs> you know? So it was like, I thought they were taxi drivers. <laughs> they thought I was like, uh, like, I don't know, like a Malay hijacker <laughs> and we all ended up working together. <laughs> So thinking about that, and what a great, interesting story that is about the layers of both vulnerability, but then support, mm -hmm. uh, known and unknown. Mm. Um, how, do you think about how, how did that experience, more generally, the time that you spent in Thailand inform you, uh, influence the rest of your travels, maybe even the rest of your life? Yeah, um, I think that trip in particular, and not, and this was just one stop on a big trip from Northern Thailand all the way down to the tip of the peninsula. Um, I think that really was the, when I, that was my true travel self. I think that it was the, it was the trip that I was the most proud of because I, I'm prone to anxiety and to, you know, wanting to have things planned and to kind of anticipating all the things to go wrong. And I mean, one, it was the hubris of youth. I wasn't quite aware of all the things that could go wrong, mm. which made me braver right. than I probably should have been. But there was, right. uh, there was also a way in which I fully embraced my travel nature, which is much more adventuresome uh, than my normal mm. nature and requires, you know, much, many fewer things. I mean, I, I really do love my travel self and, you know, open. Um, and so I had very little 
preparation at all. I mean, this was pre-internet. Um, I had no cell phone. I had no internet. I basically just had a list of places where I thought, where someone had told me there were women doing interesting things with regard to Buddhism. And so I would just hop on a train, hop on a bus, and then just go and then get off and talk to people and rely on the kindness of strangers or rely on myself. And I, you know, I moved through the entire mm. length of the country this way. And um, mm. it always worked out. And it always led to kind of magical things like this. And so that was really um, the best travel lesson I could I could ever have. And, and I return to that whenever I'm thinking I can't do something or I get all caught up in trying to plan things and trying to control things. I think about that time. And, and specifically then that idea of your travel self. <laughs> exactly. And sometimes I even, my best friend and I used to do this thing uh, where we would try to activate our travel selves when we were back home and he would just call <laughs> me and be like, today's a travel day. And so it's like, you know, we had to go to work in a different way. Like, you know, and we had to like, up to strangers and we had to like get off the bus and go look at something and we just had to look at the our same ordinary world in a different way because it really was a mindset it wasn't about being someplace you know exotic or different it's really just about how we approached time and 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 people and our relationship to space and we because we both knew our travel selves were those kind of adventuresome engaged selves that we tend to put away back home yeah, I think of it as a travel, we do a travel day, like the the day that you start traveling, you know, you wake up different, you dress different, you eat different, yeah. your expectations are different. Mm-hmm. My expectations are different. And so that idea of like, okay, it's a trip, you imagine it being a travel day. And you know, how does that change your expectations of life and just your day? Yeah, it's so great. Um, so the last, the last question we have somehow it's uh, do we already go through two questions? The last question we have uh, is because Lavinia and I met over a meal that we'll never forget. Mm. We thought it would be fun to ask our guests something food related. Yeah. So for our last question, <laughs> what's one food you've eaten on your travels, either in Thailand or anywhere in the world, that you've never stopped thinking about? Oh, that's so hard. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. And I think, I mean, I had kind of two similar experiences. I think of like Northern Thai food, um, because the first time I went to Thailand, it was before, um, people aren't going to believe this, but there were no Thai restaurants in America. (laughs) Um, Yes. Not even in the Bay Area. No, well, I don't know about the Bay Area. I, you know, I was in high school. Yeah. I lived in Washington State, um, and okay. you know, I had a year in Northern Thailand. When I came back, there, you know, there were there was no Thai food. There was no sriracha. There was no pad Thai. There was no coconut milk. Like people did not know mm. about Thai food, and so you know, that was a thing that I like longed for forever. And then you know, four years later, this trip, I went back. Then all of a sudden, people had discovered it, but we didn't necessarily have the regional food. So, and you know, and I'm very partial to Northern stuff. So like the the saioa, the sausage, mm-hmm. and the nam which still I've only seen at two restaurants. Um, but also I, I really associate that with, um, you know, these early mornings in Northern Thailand during the cold season. And, uh, you know, you're showering with, you know, rainwater, you know, from a, from a clay pot and then, you know, staying in this like teak house in the forest on stilts and, you know, and somebody comes in with like a huge pile of steaming, fresh, sticky rice. And then you have all these like little chili paste and namprikong. And so, and, and there are a few spices in there that it's the spice mix or the herbs that you can't really get here. And every so often, like mm. I'll be somewhere and, and it's like, oh, someone's recently come from Thailand because they have that interesting 
kind of herbal mix in it. And I'm like, oh, it's not the dish itself. It's these other things they've added, which I don't even know what they are, mm. or these like cluster of green peppercorns. And I just taste that. And it that's so transformative. So for me, it's really about kind of the nostalgia of the taste that I can't get. And I don't even have the language for, I think, that takes me mm-hmm. out of that. I have a sh- chef friend who discusses, uh, he describes it as, as chasing, a, food is chasing a memory. Mm-hmm. All those things, the the memory of the, the season and the what it feels like and the, the weather, the temperature, the water, how cold is the water. That's beautiful. So beautiful. I feel like I have just been to Thailand and have eaten sticky rice <laughs> in the rain. Thank you, Faith, for that sensory that sensory trip. <laughs> I'm a little hungry now, a little wanderlusty. <laughs> uh, well, thank you so much, Faith, for your story and for your time here today and for giving us a deeper picture of your experience and also just a view as a traveler. Yeah, We've loved this time with you. And for anyone listening who wants to know more about Faith, Um, including her memoir about her time in Thailand, which is called Meeting Faith. You can find her at her website, adiele.com, right? A-D-I-E-L, wait, A-D-I-E-L-E.com. And something tells me we might um, meet again for another conversation because this was fun. (laughs) A meal somewhere, maybe back in the Bay Area. So until next time, thank you for listening to There She Goes. Again. Again. <laughs> again. And uh, we look forward to we look forward to connecting again. Thank you so much, Faith. Thank you. It's a pleasure.